When I interviewed Federico Fagin, who is the father of the microprocessor who invented the family of chips that in the 70s at Intel gave the rise to the PC industry, he explained to me how back in the 80s as he left Intel and he had found, founded another couple of companies among which was Synaptics, he was playing with neural nets to actually understand neuroscience but also to build products on top of this company and he explained to me how he actually believed that neural nets could do incredible things yet at the time there was not a common and accepted idea in the AI field actually quite the opposite many people thought that neural nets were not a good idea so let me explain what happened by then and what paradigm shift there was and why as a result of those incredible language models what they can do are actually really the result of a new architecture paradigm shift scale and emergence A real change when it comes to the adoption and to really make neural nets work at scale came in 2017 when a paper published by Google uh, researchers called Attention is All You Need proposed a new kind of architecture for language models. This architecture, according to this paper, would be based on what's called a transformer-based architecture and really was a new way to actually train those models in the first place. From this kind of architecture, we had the first prototyping of language models like BERT, GPT, T5, which would really spark the AI industry. The interesting thing though, the architecture that right now has given the rise to products like ChatGPT, which are extremely incredible, is still the result of the transformer-based architecture. So what has changed between you know, the first releases of those language models back in 2017-18 up to today in 2022 and 2023 when we got the release of ChatGPT and now many of the AI companies are working on similar products and uh, you know uh, we have OpenAI which is working on a release probably of GPT-4. What, what changed was scale. So uh, when those models were released back then really the main thing was let's see if they will work in actually giving us a certain output and if they will be good enough in generalizing uh, on a set of uh, various tasks that we're going to give it once the model has been trained. The interesting part that is that a lot of um, uh, the things that those models have been capable in doing over the years have been the result of scaling them up, meaning once you have the first version, which for instance, let's take into account as an example, the evolution of OpenAI GPT. So once you have GPT and then you have GPT-2 and then GPT-3, you can simply scale them up, meaning you can simply increase the, the number of parameters in the models. You can simply increase the, the size of the data set underlying the training on the model and therefore you're going to need much more computing power to actually process the training of those models to actually get incredible outcomes. The interesting thing about that is number one you don't know what is going to happen once you scale them up meaning that it's uh, impossible very hard or actually impossible to predict what uh, those models will be capable of once they've been further scaled up. Another element is, is that, you know, as many um, research uh, have shown, actually uh, you can um, 
learn how to train those models at scale and you can do it also more efficiently in a way that actually makes uh, makes it um, makes those models uh, better at specific and generalized outcomes once they are scaled one example was when deepmind showed with uh, Cincilla that um, uh, you could uh, uh, you needed to actually train those models more efficiently and the reason why those models uh, hadn't improved uh, even more like uh, the releases of uh, uh, successive like GPT-2 and 3 was given by the fact that they could de they could have been trained in a more effective way. So Sincilla by Google, by DeepMind, actually shown that if you used a more uh, effective method for, for the training, you could actually improve them uh, radically. The interesting part is, again, two properties that I would like to discuss. One is emergence. Emergence in biology is really a property where when we scale up uh, uh, something and we go from one, one unit to a different kind of version, which is a scaled up version of that unit, the bigger part, uh, the bigger size thing might look like the smaller, but in reality has completely different properties. Why? Well, because if we think about it, uh, you know, especially if we, if we uh, take into account a theory, which is that of fractals, in many cases, when we look at um, something like, let's say, a large city, a large city might seem similar to a small city, but in reality, a large city is a collection of, of small cities, but in reality, it's uh, way more complex than that. You know, I've been, uh, I lived in Rome for many years, and when I look at Rome, the complexity of the city compared to a smaller town where I come from, it's uh, not just a few times over, it's many, many times over. That's the result of scale. Scale is given by not just the overall property of the system, but by the interaction of the, the main components that make up the system. And the larger a system, the more are the interactions within that system, and therefore the more complex and unpredictable that, pro that, that uh, system is going to be. And now we can connect the concept of uh, emergence. When you scale up a system, so let's say when you go from a city that has 100,000 uh, uh, you know, citizens to a city that has a million or 10 million uh, citizens, the, the city which is larger has a completely different properties compared to the smaller one. This is the result of emergence. So emergence tells you in biology that a larger organism, while it might resemble a smaller one, in reality has uh, so, uh, such completely different features that it's very also hard to understand from a qualitative standpoint, to make sense also from an intuitive standpoint how different they are. But for those of us who study complex systems, at least for me in the business world, you do understand from an intuitive standpoint that two things that have different sizes are completely different because the larger size is not the same, even though it looks from an aesthetic standpoint as the same of the smaller one, in reality is completely, completely different. Going back to the AI revolution right now, it's quite interesting to notice that that's what's happening right now, meaning that when we went from a small uh, models, like for instance, the first version of GPT to the latest version of GPT-3 and then the release of uh, ChatGPT and now going forward to, with the release of uh, GPT-4, those models are becoming so big and they are getting scaled in such a way that we don't know for sure what is going to happen as a result of this scale. Now, of course, with the result of scale, things might also break up, but also emergent properties might come up. That's the interesting thing. 
In other words, when you scale something up, especially in the AI field right now with those language models, emergent uh, properties and capabilities might come up, meaning that something that was not uh, the, the machine and the large language models was not able to perform at a smaller scale, it might become suddenly available at a larger scale. The interesting thing, we cannot know for sure until scale is not achieved. achieved. So, of course, there are a couple of things to take into account. Number one, we need to take into account when is going to happen a plateau here, meaning that, you know, uh, we will understand that uh, the, you train those models, you scale them up further, but you're not going to get uh, other interesting outcomes. Actually, it may be that uh, those uh, models from an outcome standpoint will become too complex and therefore will not be as good when it comes to actually being effective at uh, generalized and specific tasks. So what I'm saying is with the result of scale, those models might break up. So we don't know for sure. On the other side, those might plateau, meaning that, of course, um, the, the, again, the result of scale might not get any incremental benefit to the ability to do those language models to do any better. Another possible option is that once we scale them, those models further, actually, we get more incredible stuff that we could have not imagined. So, for instance, just a few years back, we didn't imagine that those models, by scaling them up, we could get them pretty good at doing creative stuff, uh, like in generating text, uh, poems, music, images and stuff that we didn't imagine a few years back. And this was the result of scale, which was quite unpredictable. However, there is something here to take into account. The question is how much farther we can scale the current transformer-based architecture and still get incredible results, and until which the computing power that is going to be needed to train those models is going to be enough to actually have those models to become quite interesting. So again, the risk here is that by using sheer scale alone, emergence might actually disappear or might actually cause those models to break up, meaning that those models will become very hard to audit. So it's quite, it will be quite impossible to understand for us how those models work in terms of output. Therefore, they will become complete black boxes. And then on the other side, we don't know again for sure what there will be their other capabilities once they are scaled up further. But this is something that we might figure out in the next uh, couple of years or like in the next five years as uh, companies like OpenAI are working on scaling up those models and many companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon, uh, Apple and so forth are putting like billions of resources in those AI models. So we'll figure this out. But that was uh, the, the main take for today. Right now, neural nets have become interesting because there was a change in paradigm. This change in paradigm came in 2017 with, with a different kind of architecture for large language models, which, which, which was called transformer-based architecture. And then every uh, single step that has been taken by those models to become much more effective in the last year was a result of scale. So scaling the number of parameters, the data given to those models, and therefore also scaling the computing power available to those models to actually be trained. And with that, we got incredible results. Until when those results will come, and if scale is going to provide additional benefits to those models, we don't know for sure. And it's something that is going to come just as a result of scaling them up. That's the interesting thing right now. We're going to figure out as we go along. But the interesting take here is even if those models are plateauing, meaning that they're not going to be able to do any more um, 
things that they're doing right now, they're still interesting from a business perspective and therefore there is still a business ecosystem that can be built on top of the current paradigm which might be worth billions and billions. So it's going to be interesting to look uh, until which extent scale can lead us, but that's the main topic for today.